that's good. It's good to hear. Oh, thanks, worship team. I give these guys a hand. And maybe we could just have the house lights up a little bit more because um, it's a bit hard for me to see everyone here today. Um, last Sunday, it's just a little boomy on the platform. Thank you. Um, last Sunday, um, you would have, those that were here, um, watched or been part of the um, service that we had the chance to interview uh, Wayne Check. Um, do, do, you, do you remember that? Yeah. Um, that's been a profound thing in our church. I, I don't know whether it affected you, but it affected me. Um, I can tell um, in many ways by the feedback that people have given me directly. I can tell by the way I've been different after Sunday. I can tell by going to our YouTube channel and seeing how many people have watched that. Um, if you haven't, can I encourage you to? If you call Hope You See Home, um, I just think everybody needs to watch that um, one way or another. And the reason why is because there's something spiritually weighty about what happened. I just think it's a time and a season and a message that's in tune with where we're at as a church. I think where we're at as terms of coming out of COVID, I think it's where we're at as a nation about having to stand up for our faith, um, for who we are and being a people who are willing to, dare I say, suffer and also fight at the same time. So... Um, I know I've got someone at the back there helping me with the scriptures on the screen. I'm going to change things up a bit. So you're going to have to uh, be sharp this morning is I'm going to start at the end and go backwards in my message. So you're okay about that. So we're going to start at the back and go towards the front. Um, the prophet Isaiah um, wrote something quite profound um, which I believe speaks to this last week. Um, and I say it again, I say I feel like spiritually it disturbed me, Wayne's message. When he talked about um, a message of, of suffering, a message of sacrifice, a message of surrender, that those are important things for us who are disciples of Jesus Christ. Well, the prophet Isaiah, he said it this way in Isaiah chapter 6. Well, I think we've got that on the screen. Um, verses 1 to 8, he says, It was the, in the year King Isaiah died and that I saw the Lord. He was sitting on a lofty throne and the train of his robe filled the temple. I remember singing songs about that uh, many years ago. Do, who, anyone else is on that same page? Um, Attending him were mighty saffron, each having six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they flew. They were calling out to each other, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of heaven's armies. The whole earth is filled with his glory. The voices shook the temple to its foundations, and the entire building was filled with smoke. 
Then I said, it's all over. I am doomed, for I'm a sinful man. I have filthy lips, and I live among a people with filthy lips. Yet I've seen the king, the Lord of heaven's armies. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a burning coal he had taken from the altar with a pair of tongs. He touched my lips with it and, he, and said, See, this coal has touched your lips. Now your guilt is removed and your sins are forgiven. Then I heard the Lord saying, Whom shall I send as a messenger to this people? Who will go for us? And Isaiah said, Here I am, send me. This famous set of verses, as I said, songs have been written about it. You, if you've been in church life for 10 years or more, you would have heard messages preached about some of that imagery that Isaiah talked about. But like many prophetic declarations, there's layers of meaning and layers of fulfilment in different times and history and different eras. I, I know for a fact that Darlene and I have received prophetic words talking about different things in our lives. And in that moment, when the prophetic word was given, we naturally applied it to our situation that we were in right there and then. But of course, as the years have gone by, as the decades have gone by, we realise now that those prophetic utterance was actually much more about decades ahead than in the moment that we were in. As the same way that I believe Isaiah's prophetic utterance was speaking to himself and his time and, of course, to where we are today. I mean, not only is the prophet Isaiah... Um, he's talking about his calling to ministries, but he's also speaking about a new covenant, about the covenant that Jesus ushered in, the covenant where he reduced the distance Jesus did between us and God through the obedience and sacrifice of Jesus Christ, the one who was willing and chose to leave the comforts of heaven on our behalf, so that we could also be cleansed like that burning coal, the picture that Isaiah talked about. See, I'm sure you can, I definitely can identify with Isaiah's tussle. I mean, here we are sitting in church. We come for an hour and a half once a week on a Sunday um, uh, you know, we, we get engaged in our life groups midweek and we might serve in some other way. Um, but the reality is most of our time, our energy and effort is actually typically located in, in, in a world that is dying and frustrated because of sin. And yet in this moment we go, oh, God, I just... I just hang out with sinners every week and yet I feel like a sinner. How do I get this thing off me and out of me? And God says, well, come to the altar. Um, that's, where, that's where that uh, reminder again um, about coming and being part of a community of faith is so important. We can identify with Isaiah's tussle. 
where we understand we live in a sinful state and we live in a society that's, um, you know, as the old saying would go, it's going to rack and to ruin. And of course, um, it's natural then for all of us when you hear about wars, when you understand that people are living in situations in poverty all around the world where there seems to be no answer. And you can actually go, well, whoa, whoa, how how does this all end? I mean, we've just in some way, some people would deny, we're coming to the end of COVID and now all of a sudden there's a new one. Are we going to go around this merry-go-round all again? Lockdowns, shutdowns, vaccinations. Whoa! Isaiah says, I'm a man of unclean lips. I live among of people of unclean lips. But my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. I mean, that image of um, the burning coal coming from the centerpiece of heaven is a powerful one. I mean, it brings the imagery, speaks to, and the practicality of that talks about fire brings a cleansing. I mean, if you want to actually um, sort out anything, I mean, let's talk about old-fashioned remedies. Remember the day when we used to put the sheets on the washing line so that the sun could disinfect them? For some of you, maybe that's revelation for you today. (laughs) Maybe the idea of not walking into the laundry, into the dryer and going outside... It is an absolute revelation, but I'm telling you that is not old-fashioned truth. It's present-day truth. The sun sterilizes things. Bringing things into the light makes them cleaner. So the idea that in your life, in our church, that we would desire to hide things away, put things under the carpet, is not the practice of this leadership. It should not be the practice of your life. And yet that is always what our human nature wants to do. Fire brings cleansing. Fire is also painful. Choose cleansing, you choose pain. Choose the fire... And you choose discomfort. See, it's a costly thing to behold the Lord. That's what, that's what the prophet Isaiah was simply saying. If you want to paraphrase all of those verses down, he was just saying, it's a costly thing. I'm going to get burnt and I probably will get scarred because I behold the Lord. So the idea that you would come to church in comfort, in beautifully padded seats, with perfectly controlled air condition, with a, 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 a repertoire of food and offerings that suited every individual person in this building, is not beholding the Lord. 
I mean, the New Testament calls us. We, Darlene and I listened to uh, our favorite preacher on the way driving up, Rick Godwin. He says, the gospel talks about being an army. Well, I don't know that when you go and join the army, do they ask you, are you gluten-free? When we hand out the army rations in the middle of war, um, do you have vegetarian options or vegan options? Or, or I only drink almond milk or oat milk uh, when you're in an army and when you're actually battling the war. Faith is not a journey of comfort. Faith is not a journey of luxuries. Faith is not a journey of options. It's a journey of surrender, sacrifice, and for some, suffering. We must behold the Lord. We can see then from Isaiah's picture the experience of being in the presence of the Lord. We can understand how his perceptions were changed. He saw the magnificence, the glory, the angels. He could hear things going on. But the one thing he also experienced was pain, a cleansing. You see, it cost Jesus a lot to secure our cleansing. I mean, we must never forget this. I mean, you know, when you are are spiritually cleansed, I mean, which is the desire that everyone would meet Jesus Christ and that he would become their friend. That's the goal of this church. It's the vision statement. Follow Jesus and tomorrow will be greater than today. That's as simple as it gets. Well, when you do that, then it also brings instant opportunity and instant responsibility. See, Forgiveness is not just an end in itself, but it's actually a calling. When you're forgiven, then heaven will still ask the same question, who will go? Instantly, the moment you are saved, yet most Christians spend a lifetime of faith trying to dull out or pour cold water on that hot coal. To say, to put it in a place where they can comfortably hold it on their side while they get about their main game. Where the irony is, is that Isaiah talked about once that moment happened in an instant, um, heaven said, who's going to bring the message? And he said, here I am. Send me. I mean, one more of, I'll move on because I can, I can feel... Uh, I'm, I'm getting fired up, so I just better not be too, too radical on a Sunday morning, right? See, one more of Isaiah's prophetic declarations is Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. It sounds like a modern-day English, actually, in this translation. It says, all right, then. You've got to have a slightly English accent when you say that. All right, then. I think we've got this on the screen. The Lord himself will give you a sign. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She'll give birth to a son and call him Emmanuel, which means God is 
with us. 700 years, the scholars say, before Jesus is born to a virgin, God has already predicted it through his prophet. It's embedded inside this book. I mean, how dare we even just really call it a book? Well, it's actually God's word, and I love Kate said that this is, not Kate, sorry, Andy said that these, these words are a prompt in life. They're a guide to life. They, we look to them to actually understand, and yet again, we've managed this hot coal down to a book on a coffee table. It should be something burning on the inside of us. See, because of that one little picture I gave you, and there's just so many pictures about how the Old Testament speaks to the New Testament and how the New Testament actually speaks to the Old Testament. 700 years before Jesus Christ was born, the prophet Isaiah was declaring it. I mean, imagine 700 years earlier saying that a saviour, a messiah, um, shall be born by a virgin. He must have seemed like an absolute lunatic. How many lunatics do we have in the building this morning? How many lunatics that say, yeah, bring on the burning coal. Bring on the cleansing. Let's not just be normal or, uh, or, or satisfied, but actually let's be dissatisfied with this planet and say, I am going to be an agent of change. I'm going to be the one that when God says, who will I send? Immediately, I didn't have to think about it. I didn't have to reflect. I didn't have to pray. I didn't have to check with my spouse or my friendship group or my mentor or my coach or my supervisor. I can say, send me. Seven hundred years earlier, the Word of God points to a moment in the future that changes the destiny of planet Earth. We can take great comfort from that. We can actually take hope knowing that God has a plan of redemption and for at least the 700 years, to be honest, many thousands of years more, God was working out how to bring you burning coal that would cleanse you, sanctify you, and trigger you into ministry. See, we can all start with beautiful sentences in our life. We go, um, I behold the word of God. Beautiful. And look, I get a lot of comfort and joy early in the morning sitting down and reading and going through the scriptures. Some randomly, some in an organized, structural way. Some where I feel like times the Holy Spirit grabs me and says, read this portion. I've embedded a something in that scripture for you to understand. Other times we're in services like this this morning and if I can ask the worship team to come, that would be fantastic. Where we go, behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. 
where we go, yes, I, I, I can sense God's Holy Spirit. I can sense that there's something spiritually dynamic about this moment. I just don't want to uh, feel warm and fuzzy and get goosebumps on my arm, but I want to do things differently. Here I am, send me. How will you answer the burning coal question? How will you reconcile the pain? Or will you try to blend your life into what it was before? Like I said, I've started with the second half of my message. I don't know why, but that's just how my head works sometimes. I was supposed to talk about Noah. As you can see, they're closely related. I'm being, trying to be funny. But I, I, I can't stand here after last week and preach a warm and fuzzy message. I can't tell you or promise you that, um, you, you know, things that I, I know aren't right. But in our own lives in this last month, we've had pain and suffering as well as great joy and hope all at the same time. We've had multiple burning coal experiences again and again and again. And what it does is it sharpens you and focuses you it helps you actually get rid of all the things that don't matter. I'd hate to think that you got towards the end of your life and you went, why did I matter about those things? I, I, I don't want you just to live a normal Christian life. I want you to live a burning coal, normal Christian life. Where the only response to those moments is, well, here am I, send me. What will those send me moments be like? Will it be watching a show on television where you hear and see someone's life being blessed and it moves you? And you might be then going, I want to be part of that. I'm going to orchestrate, think about how I can bless other people. Maybe it's a bag of groceries. Maybe it's a tank of fuel. Maybe it's, as we know here in this campus, maybe it's even a gift of a car. But could it be, I'm going to hop on an aeroplane and I'm going to go and fly and I'm going to sit beside Wayne Check in his war-torn church and encourage his people? Could it be that? Could it be going to Rwanda and helping rebuild a nation after millions of people were killed in a genocide? Could it actually be um, working in a homeless shelter somewhere here close by and saying these people need burning coal moments? We must be, we have to be a going church. You cannot hear the gospel. You can't be burnt and scarred by the burning coal and live life the same way. 
don't bring your experience of a God who predestined your salvation by sending Jesus Christ to planet earth don't bring all of that down to your today experience in a unclean frustrated world why don't you bring some of that heaven down to earth why don't you bring that message in some cases you'll rock people you'll shock them I know because it'll as the Bible says sort out the goats from the sheep but that's our job that's our job I just want the worship team just to lead us in this moment. Why don't you stand with me?